0: Nick, can we get the mm. first slide up, please? If we can. The church, the master plan community, will be looking in God's Word, focusing on Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. But we'll also be looking at the entire chapter of Ephesians with a very, um, I guess, overview look of that chapter. Uh, We asked the kids who normally go to Children's Church to stay in service today, and I'm going to ask them to participate a couple times um, during the service. Also, in the message, uh, I'm going to go over a, a technique that we use to share the gospel uh, with the kids in children 's church and other times that we uh, work with them, so you'll see that also on some of the slides. As Bill mentioned, uh, today is Super Bowl Sunday. So can you uh, switch the slide, please? The Seattle Seahawks will be playing the New England Patriots to determine who will be called the champions of the world, who will win this Lombardi Trophy. Millions, maybe hundreds of millions of people will be watching the game. Very intently, thinking it's such a huge thing. But I want us to understand that today, there's a much bigger battle going on than a football game. And this battle is for our very souls. And this battle is for our sanctification. Most of you know when I preach, I like to have the congregation participate. So we're gonna do that right now. So I'm gonna ask everyone if you can please stand up. And this is gonna be a quick game on how important this Super Bowl game is. So we'll see how much we know about the Super Bowl. So number one, if you know the answer, stay standing. If you didn't know the answer, sit down. Who won the Super Bowl last year? So if you know the answer, stand up. If you don't know the answer, sit down. Okay, boys in the front, who won Super Bowl last year? Seahawks. Seahawks. Okay. Okay, next question. This is how important the Super Bowl is. Who won the Super Bowl the year before that? Okay, EJ, do you know? Wow, look at that. That's only one more year ago it was the Baltimore Ravens so if you knew that answer stay standing if you didn't know boys if you really didn't know sit down okay let's go one more year who won the Super Bowl the year before that Wow you see the Super Bowl's really not that important okay let's try this again Anybody who's ever watched the Super Bowl on TV, stand up. If you've ever watched the Super Bowl on TV. So almost everybody here has at least watched the Super Bowl on TV. Lots of us have been spectators to this great game from afar. But how many of us have been a spectator to this great game up close? So, stay standing if you've actually saw a Super Bowl in person. Okay, look around. Okay, wait, Deanne, stay standing. But let's see what kind of impact we have on this great game. Stay standing if you've ever played in or coached in the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay, thank you. So in this great and it is a great game, the Super Bowl. I love football. But almost none of us have really had an impact on this great game. Almost all of us really don't know who won this great game a couple years ago. But like I said, There's a much bigger battle going on that we all can be participants in, that we all can be either coaches in or players in, in this battle for people's souls, in this battle for our own and others' sanctification, for our being made more Christ like. Next slide, please. So, God does have this master plan community, the church. And God's master plan for this community is perfect. And it is good. And it is loving. Because God, as described in the Bible, is perfect. And God is good. And God is loving. And I believe part of his master plan was to have you here this very morning, to hear his voice, to listen to his word, God's Word to us. And I ask you, and I encourage you, please, listen carefully. Feel the importance of the Word of God. The church is God's master plan community. In God's plan, the church is what survives. The church will grow. The church will live with Christ in perfect love and in perfect joy forever. Over the past few years in this local church, we've tried to teach what the Bible teaches about the church. And so we have another question based on the biblical definition of church, on the biblical definition of church, who can go to church? Who can go to church? Next slide, please. What is the church? God's master plan community? Church is who we are. It's not where we go. The church is not a place, it's not a building, it's not an event that someone can go to. The church, as taught in the Bible, is the group of believers. And we either belong to the church or we don't belong to the church. So actually, no one can go to church. We, believers, are the church. And we've assembled here this morning, not because we've come to church, but to be the church, to be built together as the temple of the living God. And because of Christ, and we can have communion with God, we'll have communion with each other will have community with each other, our brothers, our sisters in Christ. But how does one become part of the church? How does one be part of God's master plan community? Uh, Next slide, please. By believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is something we use uh, with the kids. It's called uh, Colors of the Wordless Book. Gold stands for God. The dark color represents the darkness of our heart and sin. The red represents Christ. The clean represents what Christ can do to our hearts and clean and purify our hearts. And the green represents growing and going together. Leading the gospel of Jesus Christ leads us as believers to live life together, to live life together for those that trust God and we show that we trust God by how we live our lives together okay let's pray dear God you alone are holy you alone are worthy Lord I I pray that as we share this morning as as you've allowed me this opportunity to share your word Lord that I share your word rightly. Lord that I share your word as truth. And Lord, I pray that as you teach in your word, that as your word goes out, that it not return empty, but it accomplishes, Lord, what you desire. It accomplishes, Lord, the purpose that you desire. And Lord, I pray that those here that have already responded rightly to the gospel That because of the words that you teach us, that we live our lives together as your church in a way that gives you glory, in a way that represents you here on earth. And Lord, for those that have not yet responded rightly to the gospel, I pray, that Lord, that you call them. I pray, Lord, that you change their hearts, that you make them alive in you spiritually, Lord. And Lord, I pray that we remember that as the church, your word is our foundation and Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Please, Lord, help me to share your word in a way that is loving and humble and kind and helpful, Lord, to our souls. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, next slide, please. In Genesis, we've been studying the beginnings. God is holy. He is the creator. He is love. This gold color reminds us about that. It reminds us about God. It reminds us about heaven. We learn about God in His Word. And we learn in His Word that God loves us and wants us to be with Him forever. But there's one thing that can't be with God, and that's sin. Sin cannot be where God is. But God is perfect. God has this master plan community. Um, Next slide, please. In God's master plan community, we have communion, we have fellowship. And I looked up the meaning of these words and also looked it up as what scripture describes it, and I found something very interesting. Having a community is having something in common that creates unity. That's a community. A community also, historically, is not a place. It's a people group that have something in common sharing common values, a unified group. We are a community. Our common value is Christ. Our commonality is Christ. And also to have communion, to have fellowship. Similar, there's something we hold in common that creates this union among us, communion. And as Christians, it's the bond or fellowship uniting all those made alive, in, made alive in Christ. This bond of fellowship that, that unifies us with each other. And again, that bond is Jesus Christ. And that is Christian communion. Okay, next slide, please. Now the Word of God. other men have stood up here and preached and said very similar things to what I'm saying now because it is true so I want us to understand that no matter what I say this morning no matter what you hear from any other pastor the only thing that is inspired by God is the text of the Bible that is inspired by God and that is our focus And as we read the verses today, I'm going to read them a little slowly because they are the Word of God. And I'm going to ask you, as our church family, hold me, hold Pastor Randy, other people who preach up here accountable to stay true to the Word of God, to preach what the Word of God says, to be true to the text, the Word of God, what Pastor Randy has preached about. God, who is creator of the universe, has given us these words. He holds our lives in our hand. Not just for our life here on earth, but for our life eternal. This is the word of God. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So then, or some versions say, consequently. That tells us that what God is teaching in these verses is related to what was taught prior to these verses. And so we'll go over that in a little while. The you who are no longer strangers, the you who are fellow citizens referred to in these verses are Gentile Christians. So let's kind of break that up really quickly. Gentile is just someone who's not a Jewish person, not of the nation of Israel. In these times for the nation of Israel, that's all that existed. Jewish people, non-Jewish people. That's it, two types of people. So you were these Gentiles who were Christians, who were followers of Christ. That's like most of us, Here in this room today, a Gentile Christian who are already part of God's master plan community, who are already part of the church, who have already repented of our sins and trusted in Christ. Then it says that the you, these Gentile Christians, again, most of us, we're now part of God's kingdom. And think about it. If you've ever gone to a foreign country where they speak a different language, different culture, you just feel totally out of sync. And you don't have any privileges of being a citizen. So we're no longer strangers. Strangers have no rights, strangers have no privileges. A citizen has the full rights, the full protections, and the full privileges of the kingdom, of the nation. And this is not like any other nation or kingdom. This is the kingdom of God. And then, more than that, we're members of the household of God. Just think about that. We're part of God's family. It's an intimate relationship, it's a deep relationship. We're sisters and brothers in Christ we're fully adopted in God's family, we're His children, and we have full rights of being an heir to the immeasurable riches of God's grace in Christ Jesus. Thirdly, we're full citizens, we're adopted into the family of God, we're also part of God's holy temple. Um, Next slide, please. You see, in the Old Testament and in Jewish history, the temple was the building in which God was present to the people of Israel in a special or unique way. And that's why a lot of times we think the church is the building. But the temple in the Old Testament and also the New Testament is not like this church building. We, the people, are now the temple of God. We represent God And where God will dwell here on earth now Um, next slide please this picture shows the foundation the apostles who are the prophets or the apostles and the prophets Um, apostles we know were the actual witnesses of Christ's death and resurrection who are given the revelation of God directly includes Apostle Paul who has written the book of Ephesians and we still have that foundation apostles and prophets aren't alive anymore but we have their divine revelation in the scripture and that's why I say the Word of God is our foundation and the cornerstone Paul in Ephesians says that Christ Jesus is the chief cornerstone to understand this point, we need to understand that when they built things, this cornerstone was the most important stone to be put. It was the, usually the strongest, the truest, everything else was built upon that. So it had to be perfectly square, perfectly um, set up to tie everything together. And that's who Jesus is, the one who ties us all together and holds us together together. But what about us? What part do we play? So I'm going to ask, our. um, I only have three bricks down there. So our boys down there who have a brick, can you pick the brick up and show it to everybody else in the building? This is what we are. We're the bricks. The apostles and the prophets, they're the foundation. Christ Jesus is the cornerstone. We are are the individual stones. We are the bricks. We are being sanctified. We are being made to fit and join perfectly together to build the temple of God. We are the church. Who here feels super holy, like they can just be part of God's temple? I definitely don't. And that's why we take comfort that Christ is, builds the church. Christ justifies us, right? Christ declares us righteous. Christ will sanctify us and make us more holy, more like Christ, and eventually we'll be glorified. Christ is the builder. The building is being done to us. God by His Spirit is the one building the holy temple. Okay, so now let's go back to Ephesians 1, but first sin why did we have to be no longer strangers no longer aliens why did we have to be made adopted into god's family and into this temple because we have a big problem and it's sin sin has darkened our hearts sin simply defined as the bible defines it is anything we think say or do against god's commands. And because God is perfect, sin cannot be where God is. And the result of sin is spiritual death. We cannot make ourselves alive, but God, because of his great love, will make a way or has made a way for us to be forgiven and much, much more. The next slide. And what does sin do? Makes man-made communities. You ever wonder why our societies are so messed up? Why some of our families are messed up? It's because we try to build our families and our communities on what we think is best. We don't go to the Bible for God's wisdom. We live according to our values and the values of the world not God's values and not God's standards and the Bible tells us in some verses that we'll just go over in a little while the result of this man-made community is really no community no common union there's divisions among us and we're dead in sin we're disobedient to God we're rebels following Satan and we deserve the full wrath of God, the right, the fair punishment of a holy and righteous God. Next slide, please. Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 3. And you, the same you, the Gentile Christians, were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of air, Satan, right? following things of this world, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's where we were, disobedient to God. Among whom we all, all of us, once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, doing what we think is right, not what God says is right and were by nature, our sinful nature, children of wrath, like everyone else, like the rest of mankind. And we didn't know that we were dead. You know, about 15 years ago, there was this movie, some of you may have watched it, called The Sixth Sense. In this movie, there was this little boy that said what? I see dead people, right? And he said he saw dead people. And Bruce Willis tries to help him to, you know, get over this scene of dead people. But there was a twist at the end. And you remember it. Bruce Willis was one of the dead people that this boy saw. He just didn't realize that he was dead. Physically alive, but spiritually dead. EJ... I'll need your help now can you stand up and show everybody Baymax so he has his big stuffed animal up front move him around a little bit he has movement he has a nice smile on his face and you know what people might think he was alive now we're adults we know he's not really alive but if you define life it moves it has expression but Bamax is dead. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Lost, as a Christian word, means spiritually dead. Spiritually dead means just that. Not spiritually weak. Not spiritually sick. But spiritually dead. I want us to realize what this verse is telling us. Before Christ... It's not that we're drowning in our sin and we needed this life raft or this life vest to be thrown to us. We were dead. Lifeless. Nothing. No heartbeat. No pulse. But God does something. Uh, Next slide, please. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus, red representing Christ, kids, And we know he was fully man and fully God. And he lived a perfect life. And Christ died on the cross as a substitute for us. He died in our place. He took our punishment. And that itself demonstrates God's great love. Next slide, please. Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 10. But God... God did it. God being rich in mercy because of the great love which He loved us, God's great love, that even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. By grace we have been saved. God's gift, verse 6, and raised us up with Him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might, what? Show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were dead, but God made us alive in Christ. We didn't get a new leaf, you know, turn over a new leaf. We didn't get a new start. We got a totally new life. Our works, our goodness, our efforts play no part in our salvation. We play no part in our salvation except for our sin. All we can boast about is Christ. All we can boast about is God's great love for us. But at the same time, as the verses say, even though good works never produce salvation, Good works never produce salvation. Salvation will always produce good works. Unless, of course, you physically die right after. But normally, salvation will always produce good works and is an evidence of our salvation. Next slide. And what we teach in this church is then we have a response. And depending on our response, we can make clean from sin our hearts our lives can be purified Bible says we must confess we must agree with God about our sin we must agree with God about who he is and then repent to turn from our sinful life to turn from our self-serving self-righteous selfish lives and believe in Christ and that belief is trusting in the gospel, trusting in Christ. And then we receive Christ Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. And God already has forgiven us of our sins and we'll have everlasting life and peace, true peace, with God. And then we can live with hope, with peace, be physically alive and spiritually alive. Or... We can be presented with evidence of who God is. We can be presented what scripture says and the love of God. And we can continue to live in this world, physically alive, yet spiritually dead, spending eternity without God. The response, our response, your response, please take the word of God seriously. I know we're using colors and these things, and it seems a little simple. It is simple, but it's super serious. Trust in Jesus. Trust that the Bible is true. Trust God. Trust in His master plan. It's good, and it's loving, and it's perfect. Uh, Next slide, please. Ephesians 2, 11 to 13. Again, speaking to those who have already trusted in Jesus. This is not to those who have not trusted in Jesus. This is to those who have trusted in Jesus. Therefore, remember, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, right? The Gentiles called by the Jewish people who practice the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands? Verse 12. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, that you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, right? The covenants of the promise given to Israel, that we had no hope that we were without God in the world. But what? But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Remember. Remember our total hopelessness. Remember Christ's total life-giving hope. This divide between Jews and Gentiles was not small or simple or shallow. It was a huge divide between Jews and Gentiles. It was complex and it was very deep. There was a wall separating the Jews and the Gentiles, and Christ is the one who took down that wall. Next slide. One of the things that showed this uh, separation between the Jews and Gentiles, this is a illustration of the temple and if you notice, there's a lot of words on there, but there's uh, kind of in the middle, it says the court of the Gentiles. That's where the Gentiles could go. Then in the inner court th- between them and the inner court, there was this wall. If you notice it's not a very big wall. say it was maybe three or four feet high. Someone could just jump over it. But the Gentiles didn't. Do you know why they didn't? Because if they jumped over it, there was a warning. And that warning said, if you, oh, let's go see. Can you do the next slide? For he himself is our peace. Okay, I'm sorry, down below. Let no foreigner enter, foreigner, the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. Let no foreigner enter within the partition and enclosure surrounding the temple. Whoever is arrested, right, whoever trespasses into that area will be responsible for his death which will follow. They didn't like Gentiles to be in that area. They're separated. The Gentiles, again, us, were excluded from worshiping God. Were excluded from worshiping God in the temple. They could come from afar, but they're excluded from the community of God's people. To come closer would mean death. Uh, next slide, please. What did God do? For he himself is our peace who has made us both one. So these two separate is now one. He's broken down in his flesh, right, through the cross, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the, laws of com- the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. Communion. Unity. This big divide is now gone. Making peace. And this is true peace. And might reconcile us both to God. So now we have peace with God. In one body through the cross. Thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace. To you who are far off. And peace to those who are near. For through him. We both have access in one spirit. To the father. Christ Christ. Brings peace, I and mean, again, this peace is not just an absence of hostility. It has the roots in the Old Testament con- concept of sh- shalom. Randy, shalom. I'm not Jewish. It looks like shalom when I look at it, but it's shalom. Okay. And this means wholeness, like total health, total well-being. In other words, it's the way God meant things to be in the beginning when he said it was good. Um, Next slide. Back to where we started. So based on all that, so then, you Gentiles are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets christ jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the lord in him you also are being built together in a dwelling place for god by the spirit next slide please what is the church the master plan community Common unity, where everyone is related by blood, by the blood of Christ. Church is who we are, is not where we go. Next slide, please. Francis Chan and um, Preston Sprinkle has this quote. I don't believe God wants our church life to be centered on buildings and services. Instead... God wants our churches to be focused on active discipleship, mission, and the pursuit of unity. Next slide, please. Green, grow and go. Now application. Now we've heard God's word. What do we do with it? Application equals obedience. We obey God's word. We follow God's word. Remember who you are without Christ and remember who you are with Christ. The only thing these verses that God tells us to do is remember. Remember. Remember our hopeless state and remember our hope in Christ. Without Christ, we're dead. With Christ, we're alive. And we have everything. We have the greatest thing (laughs) sometimes we forget that our salvation is the greatest thing who here in the last year can remember the most exciting thing that's ever happened to them salvation salvation is always the greatest thing to have ever happened to us last week Seattle Seahawks played the Green Bay Packers and they're way behind no hope of winning And they won. And Seahawks fans went crazy. We should be way more crazy happy about our salvation. Remember, we get to gather together Wednesdays and other days and Sunday mornings, and we are the church, and we're celebrating. Right? We have Christ. We have Christ. Be a disciple of Christ and help others follow Christ. Come to, not church, got to correct myself, right? Come to our worship service in our auditorium, not in our church, because we are the church. Come and worship with other Christians. Follow Christ. Read His Word. Memorize His Word. Pastor Randy and some of the other men are trying to uh, memorize different verses. It's hard. But it's so beneficial. And it's so fruitful. Memorize Scripture. Study God's Word. And then obey it. Be broken over your sin. We still sin. We still sin against a holy God. Be part of the biggest mission in history. Man, boys always want to go on mission, right? The biggest mission in the universe. Talked about a little bit earlier. Jesus says in His Word that He came to seek and save that was lost. And that's the same mission He gives for us. Right? To go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations. But how? Not with a superior attitude. But as a person who realizes that we were once dead in our sins and our trespasses, and the only reason we have salvation is because of God's great love demonstrated in Christ. Be a true peacemaker. I wasn't able to listen to all of his um, teaching, but go back, listen to some of the teaching from uh, Dr. Lambert that came here, look through scripture. A peacemaker isn't someone that just avoids conflict. Just because there's an absence of, absence of hostility doesn't mean there's peace. We need to pursue peace. We need to seek peace and seek unity. It's easy to avoid conflict. It's hard to seek peace. Because when you seek peace, sometimes you have to bring things up to others that's hard to bring up, that's uncomfortable to bring up. But you do it because you love the other person. And let Christ and His Word be your guide in being a peacemaker. In our church, there's probably some broken relationships. There's probably some areas where there's separation, not quite like a Jew and Gentile, but maybe because of age or background, I'm not sure. But I encourage you within our church family, seek relationships. And remember, it's Christ who builds his church Christ says he will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it God will build his church Christ is our cornerstone let's live life together for the glory of God let's pray dear Lord I pray that we as people who have heard your word will rightly respond to it, Lord, that we will remember who we are and who we were without Christ, but that we also remind ourselves daily of who we are in Christ, that we can rest in Christ that we have the righteousness of Christ, that we boast of Christ, and that we read your word and that we pray, Lord, we ask you for things according to your will. Please, Lord, and I'll end the prayer with a quick verse from Ephesians also. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think,